We're going to talk about the four and 20 elders this time up on the Arantia book for a couple of reasons. If you're familiar at all with the Bible and the book of Revelations, which many people are, there is a mention of 24 elders who sit about a throne worshiping the Lamb. And there's been a lot of discussion over the decades, even centuries, as to who these 24 elders are or were or are depicted in the Bible. It's a part of the revelation of John, John the Apostle, while he was exiled at Patmos, uh, an island. And he is given a vision. Now, the vision is what the book of Revelations is. It's the last book of the New Testament. And it talks about the end times. It's very popular right now because a lot of people think that we're actually in the period of tribulation, tribulation, and that we're at the end of one age and maybe perhaps at the beginning of another. That That's actually probably more common now as a discussion point than at any time that I've been alive on earth. I know that it's been talked about a lot in, in Christian communities. I know you have some very enthusiastic ministers who have preached about it fervently, getting people prepared for the end times. But in general, it's been reserved for that group of people to have that kind of discussion. But today, with all that's going on with the virus, the economy, uh, the tension in the globe, the you know even the invasion of Ukraine, so people are really talking about revelations more. But that's not why I bring up the four and twenty elders. I bring up the four and twenty elders because it's a fascinating example of how the Arantia book fills in the missing gaps. It's supposed to be a revelation, so it's supposed to fill in the, the living the missing gaps. And sometimes I've wondered, you know, why did they sp- feel specific towards letting us know about this as the example of the four and twenty elders? Because outside of their brief mention in the book of Revelations and I think it's chapter four, paragraph four. I think it's also first mentioned when they talk about the sea of glass, which is also explained by the Arantia book. As a matter of fact, the sea of glass is explained as a giant landing field on Jerusalem. And in fact, all of the headquarters spheres, Jerusalem, Salvington, uh, Edentia, they all have a sea of glass, a giant crystal. It's pretty interesting reading. You don't hear too many people talking about that, but the sea of glass actually serves a, a specific function. And it's, it's explained in the Arantia book, as are the four and 20 elders. So in order to understand, again, we're asking the question, you know, why did the Arantia book feel it necessary to give us detailed information about who the four and 20 elders were? That's an interesting question. Because outside of the book of Revelations, there's really no... There's, there's, there's really no purpose for them being explained. But in order to understand the Arantia book and its narrative of our world, and in fact our universe being orderly and functioning and it's being administered to by intelligent spiritual beings, in order for, for us to be able to have that sort of conceptual understanding, we have to have real-life examples of that. They have to kind of be literal about what they're talking about. When they talk about how all of the worlds in space are are ruled by the most high, you know, we're sort of left with, we're, we're sort of left with, you know, this great conceptual narrative, but, but can you explain it a little bit more? And they do, actually. 
So they talk about the four and 20 elders in this way. They are part of the planetary supervisors, and they came into existence about the time of the end of Jesus' life when he ended his bestowal. So let me read to you this paper uh, that explains the, the governmental setup, if you will. It's, it's actually the seraphic, uh, how they, the seraphic government. These are our unseen friends who have their own ecosystem, by the way. They exist. They work. Their labor is with us. They're here. They're part of what we're doing in parallel to what we're doing. And sometimes we intersect when they help us. So it's, it, it's against that backdrop that we come to know about the seraphic planetary government. And that's where, in this long dissertation, they mention a specific group of people, the four and 20 elders. So I'll, I'll read to you a little bit, and you'll have a, hopefully a better understanding of, of this, this, this narrative and what we're trying to talk about here, about a seraphic planetary government. Since the times of Michael's bestowal on your world, the general management of our world, Urantia, has been entrusted to a special group on Jerusalem of 24 one-time Urantians. So we're being told right here who these 24 elders are. And every religion will tell you, or anybody who has sought to try to explain the four and 20 elders in Revelations, have said, well, we don't think that they're angels. We think that they're humans. And we think based on the description of the clothes that they serve a certain purpose and that they're part of a special group. But beyond that, there's no other explanation until now. The Urantia book reads, Qualifications for membership on this commission is unknown to us, but we have observed that those who have been thus commissioned have all been contributors to the enlarging sovereignty of the Supreme in the system of Satania. So what they're saying there is that these, these special, the special commission, the one thing that they have in common is that they, were, they contributed to the enlargement of the Supreme to their fellow men. They were leaders in their time of our history. By nature, they were all real leaders when they functioned on Urantia, when they lived here. And accepting Machaventa Melchizedek, these qualities of leadership have been further augmented by mansion world experience and supplemented by the training of Jerusalem citizenship. So these one-time human beings not only displayed great leadership quality while being human and while living on our world, while leading their people to a greater understanding of God and the concepts of the Supreme. Not only that, but they went on to have very successful careers in the mansion worlds and then also further training on Jerusalem as citizens of Jerusalem. So it goes on to say, members are nominated by uh, to the 24 by the cabinet, and now they're going to introduce you to some of the most highs that actually rule in the kingdoms of men. Members are nominated to the 24 by the cabinet of Laniforge, seconded by the Most Highs of Adentia, approved by the assigned Sentinel of Jerusalem, and appointed by Gabriel of Salvington in accordance with the mandate of Michael. So Michael was involved in the decision. Michael is Jesus. Gabriel, we all know Gabriel. We don't know who the assigned Sentinel is, but it's a, a personality of high order. And then Laniforge, who is the uh, who took over for Caligastia as the uh, system uh, sovereign, or actually he took over for Lucifer, Laniforge. The temporary appointees function just as fully as do the permanent members 
of this commission of special supervisors. This board of planetary directors is especially concerned with the supervision of those activities on this world, which will result from the fact that Michael here experienced his terminal bestowal. They are kept in close and immediate touch with Michael by the liaison activities of a certain brilliant evening star, the identical being who attended upon Jesus throughout his mortal bestowal. So there's a story here. The planetary directors, they're in contact with Christ through a liaison who is a brilliant evening star who lived with, if you remember, brilliant evening star is a personality of high order. They come from paradise. They're one of the original family members of the, the Trinity. They're brilliant, and, and they are angels. I would call them super angels, for lack of a better term. And it's it's this group of people that communicate, and they and these planetary directors, the twenty four elders, they tell Jesus what's going on on our planet. It's 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 a complicated way of saying they are reporting back to their master. They're reporting back to Jesus. Jesus picked them for a specific purpose which is to be there, our elders and report back to Christ how our planet is coming along. So let's continue on with the reading. At the present time, one John known to you as the Baptist is chairman of this council when it is in session on Jerusalem. Did you catch that? John the Baptist is the chairman of the 24 elders. But the ex-officio head of this council is the assigned sentinel of Satania, the director and personal representative of the associate inspector on Salvington and of the supreme executive on Orvington. So John reports to the head of the council, the assigned sentinel. And then he reports because he represents the associate inspector on, on the Salvington headquarters, which is where Michael is. It's our, it's our local system. It's our local universe headquarters world, Salvington and of the supreme executives from Orvington, which is the core super universe capital. I know it's a little bit to digest, but these people are just, they're people. They're, they represent where they come from, and they report back to each other. It's like a chain, a spiritual chain of order. The members of the same commission of former Urantians also act as advisory supervisors of the 36 other rebellion isolated worlds of the system. Ah, interesting story there. So our 24 elders also act as advisory supervisors on the 36 other worlds that also fell into rebellion, just like ours did when Lucifer rebelled some 200-something thousand years ago. So not only are are, our 24 elders former Urantians, but they're also advisory. They, They act as advisors, consultants, representing the other 36 worlds that also fell into rebellion. So that's a, a, an enormous amount of, uh, I don't know, what would you call that? It's, boy, talk about a curriculum vitae. Uh, talk about having bona fides. What, would you, what did you do? Well, I was a consultant for 36 other rebellion-isolated worlds. And they're in close and sympathetic touch with the affairs of these planets, which still remain more or less under the over-control of the constellation fathers of Norlishadek, which is our um, constellation headquarters. That's where the Most Highs actually reside. 
These 24 counselors make frequent trips as individuals to each of the quarantine planets, especially to Urantia. But we still haven't gotten to the part of who they are. You only know that John the Baptist is one of them. No one knows how long these 24 Urantia counselors will continue in their present status, detached from the regular program of universe activities. These former humans should have gone on after they graduated from Jerusalem. They should have gone on to uh, the the constellation and, and, and studied there with the Univitatia. And then they should have gone on to the minor sectors and then eventually to Orvinson, continue their spiritual ascendancy. But for the fact that Michael or Jesus said, I want you guys to help me with this project. I need you 24 people to come help me. We're still in a rebellion. We need your wisdom. We need what you were able to do, which was teach the supreme to the material-minded men of your age and time. So that's what I think is the, the motivation behind this. They will no doubt continue to serve in their present capacities until some change in planetary st- status ensues, such as the end of a dispensation, the assumption of full authority by Machavente Melchizedek, the final adjudication of the Lucifer Rebellion, or the reappearance of Michael on the world of his final bestowal, the second coming. The president or the present resident governor general of Urantia seems inclined to the opinion that all but Machaventa may be released for paradise ascension the moment the system is restored to the constellation circuits. But other opinions are also current. So what they're saying is that they think that this this commission, this 24-group commission, once that the constellation of our constellation is settled and the Lucifer trial is concluded, that these 24 former humans will be released from their duty and they'll continue on with their spiritual uh, ascendancy. In a way, they're kind of trapped here anyway. I mean, until this Lucifer rebellion is settled, which could be, who knows, could be tomorrow, some some Urantia readers think it's already happened. But in any event, the, the tw- four and twenty elders have this position. And it looks like, it, and it looks like I like the line about one of the one of the things that they could be doing is is appearing at the end of a dispensation. So that part of Revelations could be true. It's very interesting. So let's get to the four and twenty counselors. This is from a little later in the book. And I believe it's in the Seraphic Planetary Government paper. At the center of the seven angelic residential circles on Jerusalem is located the headquarters of the Arantia Advisory Council, the four and twenty counselors. John the Revelator called them the four and twenty elders. Quote, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. That is Revelations 4.4. The throne is the center of this group, is the judgment seat of the presiding archangel. That's the throne. So next time when when you are engaged in a conversation conversation with a priest uh, and you want to try to take a crack at it, you can explain to him, hey, I think I know what the thrones are. And then he'll say, "What? what's the throne? You say, well, that's the uh, re- presiding archangel. And then he'll say, well, where'd you get that from? And then you'll be in trouble. The throne, uh, let's continue on reading. 
The throne is the center of this group is the judgment seat of the presiding angel, archangel, the throne of the resurrection roll call of the mercy and justice for all, Satanian. The throne of the resurrection roll call. And, and in the papers depicting what happens with the dispensational uh, resurrections, uh, that is a that is sort of described in Revelation as well. And it has to do, you know, where they reference the trumpets, the trumpet blast, the seven trumpets. So if, if we're heading towards a, a dispensational period on our planet, I wonder, are other worlds that are in similar situations also culminating towards their own dispensation? And is the dispensation tied to perhaps the adjudication or the conviction of Lucifer and the Lucifer rebellion? So I'm curious if there's clues here as to what's happening uh, in, in heaven that could be affecting us here on earth on that note so continuing on these four oh so this judgment seat has always been on Jerusalem but the 24 surrounding seats were placed in position no more than 1900 years ago soon after Christ Michael was elevated to the full sovereignty of the universe of Nebadon these four and twenty counselors are his personal agents on Jerusalem, and they have authority to represent the Master's Son in all matters concerning the roll calls of Satania and in many other phases of the scheme of mortal ascension on the isolated worlds of the system. So those 36 other worlds that we referred to earlier. They are the designated agents for executing the special requests of Gabriel and the unusual mandates of Michael. These 24 counselors have been recruited from the eight Urantia races. And the last of this group were assembled at the time of the resurrection roll call of Michael 1900 years ago. This Urantia advisory council is made up of the following members. Number one is Onagar. Uh, who is Onagar? Onagar was the mastermind of the period of time before the planetary prince showed up. So the first half million years who directed his fellows to the worship of the breath-giver. So Onagar was probably an Antonite. Mansant was the second. He was the great teacher of the post-planetary prince age, who pointed his fellows to the veneration of the great light. And then there was Anamalantan, a far-distant leader of the Red Man, who once directed this race from the worship of many gods to the veneration of the great spirit. Number four on this seat, Orlandov, a prince of the Blue Men, and their leader in the recognition of the divinity of the Supreme Chief. Porshunta, number five, the oracle of the extinct orange race, and the leader of this people in the worship of the great teacher. Number six was Singleton, first of the yellow men to teach and lead his people in the worship of the one truth instead of many. Thousands of years ago, the yellow man knew of the one God. Number seven on this seat was Fontad, the deliverer of the green man from darkness and their leader in the worship of the one source of life. Number eight is Orvanan, the enlightener of the indigo races and their leader in the one-time service of the God of gods. Number nine is Adam, the discredited but rehabilitated planetary father of Urantia, a material son of God who was relegated to the likeness of mortal flesh, but who survived and was 
subsequently elevated to this position by the decree of Michael. And then 10, Eve, the mother of the violet race of Urantia, who suffered the penalty of default with her mate and was also rehabilitated with him and assigned to serve with this group of mortal survivors. Enoch, the first of the mortals of Urantia to fuse with his spirit thought adjuster during the mortal life in the flesh. Moses, the emancipator of a remnant of the submerged violet race and the instigator of the revival of the worship of the Universal Father under the name of the God of Israel. 13. Elijah, the translated soul of brilliant spiritual achievement during the post-material sun or the Adam age. So, right after about 35,000 years ago. Machaventa Melchizedek, who of course founded the Hebrew faith and uh, made his covenant with Abraham, the only son of this order to bestow himself upon the Urantia races. While still numbered as a Melchizedek, he has become forever a minister of the Most High. John the Baptist sits at seat number 15, the forerunner of Michael's mission on Urantia and in the flesh, and in fact a distant cousin of Jesus through his mother and, uh, and Elizabeth. And then there are the Midwayers. They get a seat because they also are part of the rich and long Urantia history. One, two, three, the first, the leader of the loyal Midway creatures in the service of Gabriel at the time of the Caligastia betrayal, which happened when the Lucifer Rebellion took place. One, two, three, the first was elevated to this position by Michael soon after his entrance upon unconditioned sovereignty. And then the remaining seats are uh, selected personalities on Gabriel's request. Uh, seats number 17, 18, 19, and 20 are not permanently occupied. Numbers 21, 22, 23, and 24 are likewise temporarily filled while being held in reserve for the great teachers of other and subsequent ages, which undoubtedly will follow the present age. So, you know, there might be room for a Gandhi in there or Mother Teresa. Who knows, right? But wow, that's pretty amazing, right? Uh, when you think about it, there's so much mystery. And, and, and admittedly, if you go to Wikipedia, it's a very short entry. There's a entry um, made. And if you look at how, just go on the internet sometime and look up 24 elders. Look at how every one of somebody's theory is a little bit, they're, they're almost... They almost get it, but then the Arantia book, which I'm surprised that the Arantia book is not listed in Wikipedia as a possible resource because it actually explains who they are and who picked them. And it's a, it's a small selected club of people who, who made their mark uh, in the annals of human history and, and who have that certain factor, so much so, so valued by the universe that their their talents are being used on other worlds as well. It's amazing, isn't it? It's pretty interesting to think about all of that. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you walked are walking away with something that's interesting and exciting, something to ponder. If you've got a question or a comment, feel free to email me at urantiabookradio at gmail.com. God bless and thank you again for joining me on the Urantia Radio Podcast. <laughs>